0: shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Oh
1: our fears. The Savior of the world appears. The promise of eternal
0: Lord we worship you today Lord help us to hold on to the truth of who you are that you are powerful that you are wonderful that nothing compares to you nothing that we could seek here on this earth can ever fill what you can fill in our lives Lord and in this season Lord as we head into this beautiful Christmas season Lord help us to keep our focus on you if we want joy, we'll find it in you. If we wanna know what real love is, we'll find it in you. So Father, as we, as we just head into this time of joy and giving, Lord, help us to remember it is all about you. Thank you for who you are and what you've done for us. Lord, and help us to love you more each and every day. In your precious, most holy name, and all God's people said, amen. amen.
2: Hey, I want to welcome you to New Life and to our online service this weekend. As we enter into December, it's hard to believe that we're in the last month of the year. And this is the time when we kind of take that move into the Christmas season to, to remember that Christ came, that he was born not to stay a baby, but to become our Savior and our Lord. And so I'm so glad that you're you're joining with us on this weekend as we move into Christmas and celebrate together. Hey, a couple of things as we get going. One, like to get your phone out, uh, and I want you just to text someone real quick, whoever comes to mind. And rather than just the, the typical greeting, maybe you've been texting different people. But to text someone Merry Christmas, to text them you're praying for them this Christmas, you're thinking about them at the end of the year, whatever it might be, let's, let's make it appropriate to this time of year as you let someone know that you're thinking about them. Also, if you have something that we can be praying for, we would love to do that. And so just text the word prayers to 30500. And we take those every moment that they come in, send them out to our team and we'll be praying for you. And if you would like to state. Uh, Current on what's happening here at New Life, text the word UPDATE to that same number, 30500, and uh, you'll get a text back and you'll get those periodic texts letting you know what's going on, how you can connect, and uh, make sure you stay kind of uh, in in the know of what's, what's happening around here. Also, if you'll go online to newlifecc.com or if you go to our app, uh, you can find different resources that are available for you for the online uh, experience. You can find our note-taking sheet. Love to have you do that. Uh, Also, stuff for kids and for students, for families. All those things are available online. Go to newlifecc.com and uh, click on the link and you can find out more. You can get all those things. Be ready uh, for our teaching time uh, today. This is also the moment when we pause and we continue on in worship, but not through singing, not through uh, music, but really through our generosity and our giving. And I know many of you have made the switch to giving online. Uh, I know that's what uh, Gina and I do. But however you choose to give, whether it's online, whether you want to mail it in, you'll see all the information below. Uh, we would love to have you just kind of join into all that God is doing. If there was ever a season when we think about this more, it's Christmas because God gave, right? We know that even from John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he what? That he gave his one and only son. He's the great gift giver. He's the one who provides. And so our act of worship is to respond and to give back to him. And we do that through the things that we have, through our resources, through our time and our energy and our talents and all those things. We give that back to God. And one of the tangible ways we do that is giving our tithes and our offerings. And so I hope you'll take that step. Again, go online. You can give that way and know that God blesses as we give. So thank you for your faithfulness uh, in doing that. One other uh, quick thing for you as, as we jump into this, I want you to get your communion elements ready, whether it means you need to pause this video uh, and do that. But right in the middle of the message, we're going to uh, kind of have this moment where we engage in communion together, this remembering of what Christ has done for us, not as a baby again, but as our Savior on the cross. And we're going to start this Christmas season uh, by doing that together. And so I want you to go ahead and get the juice ready. Go ahead and get bread or cracker or whatever it might be. Go ahead and get that ready. And uh, I'll lead you into that about halfway through halfway through the message. Well, if you have your note-taking sheet, I want you to get that out and follow along today. Uh, as you're getting your note-taking sheet out, you'll probably notice that there is uh, an Advent reading. You think, well, Dave, what in the world is an Advent reading? It's it's the preparation for Christmas. And this goes back centuries and centuries and centuries. Christians would, would prepare themselves for this celebrating the birth of Christ. And so week by week, we have different readings that will lead us there. And you'll see the Advent reading for week one. And I would encourage you to do this either Uh, Again, by yourself, ideally with some friends or with your family. And you would just kind of uh, space these out throughout the week that you would read one. The first is Isaiah 64 and that you would read that maybe the next day, uh, Psalm 80. And you just continue to go on through the week and prepare yourself for this Christmas season. Well, it's been quite a year, right? A pandemic, unprecedented division. We have elections, and we have lawsuits, and we have recounts. We have seen riots through this year. We have seen polarized conversations. Uh, We've seen prophecies. We've seen conspiracy theories. There have been fears and there have been anxieties. We've worn masks. There have been the hint of vaccines. Uh, Counties are in different colors, shutdowns and reopenings. Uh, If you've watched any sports this year, Uh, I watched uh, quite a bit of baseball, and you see they have cardboard fans in the stands and even fake crowd noises. It's been crazy, an absolutely crazy year. And yet, in the middle of this cultural hurricane, right in the center stands Jesus. He's our peace. He's on the throne. And if you ever wondered during this time and all the craziness, like what in the world is going on? How do we get through this? Know this, that God is still on the throne. He hasn't abdicated that. He hasn't left. None of this is taking him by surprise, but he's leading us through this. And Jesus, his very presence is our hope. He's always been the hope of the world and he always will be the hope of the world. And it seemed like just, I don't know, it almost seems like days ago or weeks ago that we began this crazy 2020 journey. But here we are in December, Christmas time again. And it's going to be a different Christmas, right? I don't know about you, but our Thanksgiving was, was very different in family who couldn't come and those who needed to stay isolated. And it was just different, it was good but it was very different. And I think this Christmas is going to be different as well. And maybe this Christmas for you, and I'm praying this for me as well, would be less about all the stuff, less about all the the pressure and the things to do and the getting out. And there would be something about the hope of Jesus and the peace of Jesus that we get to experience this Christmas. Well, one of my all-time favorite Christmas movies is It's a Wonderful Life if you've ever seen that with Jimmy Stewart and has George Bailey. And it's it's a classic black and white movie. But one of my favorite lines in that movie comes right at the beginning. Because there's this scene that happens up in heaven and these two angels are talking, and one of them is Clarence, who's the one who comes down. I won't ruin the story for you if you've never seen it, but he's an angel second class, and he hasn't won his wings just yet. Remember, all this is fictional. But he's about to get this assignment to go and help this guy who's in trouble. And the superior, the kind of the angel first class, says, you've got to go help this guy, George Bailey. And Clarence says, what is it? Is, is he sick? And here's the part that I love. The response he gets is this. No, it's worse than that. It's worse than sickness. It's worse than any of that. He says this, he's discouraged. And I love that line because discouragement, the the lack of hope can really be worse than any physical illness that we have. See, our, our spirits need hope to survive and to thrive. One expert said this, since my early years as a physician, I learned that taking away hope is for most people like pronouncing a death sentence. Their already hard pressed. Uh, already hard pressed will to live can become paralyzed and they may give up and die. Now, the writers of the Bible recognized this several thousand years ago. In the book of Proverbs, King Solomon wrote this. He said, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. Isn't that really what the experts were telling us about about hope? Hope deferred or the lack of hope or or hope removed makes, makes our heart sick. And I don't think it's surprising that if God created us as people to live with this craving for hope, it would also make sense that he would serve as our ultimate hope that God wouldn't just, you know, wish that somewhere along the line in our experience, we would find something to put hope in. But since we crave and need hope in our very hearts and souls, that he would say, I am your hope. In Romans 15, the apostle Paul wrote this, I pray that God, the source of hope, if you have your Bible out, underline that. If you're using your Uh, online Bible, you know, highlight that in some way. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you know that all total, there are nearly 200 references to hope throughout the Bible? both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And this theme of hope is woven all throughout Scripture. And it's going to be our theme this morning as we step into Christmas and in a brand new year. There was a study done a few years ago about culture, and there one of the researchers wrote this. He said, people in many nations seem to be searching with new intensity for spiritual moorings these days. And one of the key factors prompting this search is a need for hope in troubled times. Man, if that if if that isn't so perfect for where we're at right now, dealing with troubled times and you see people reaching out trying to to find some sense of hope. I tell you there there have been several times over these last few months that I've had People uh, stop me in a store um, while I'm getting gas. There have been different places that I've been at, and, and I've got a mask on. And someone will stop me and say, are you, are you the pastor out at New Life? And I'll say, yeah. And, and I'm thinking, how in the world do they recognize me? But I guess being 6'5 with a bald head kind of makes you stand out a little bit. And, they, and I've had several people say, I've never been to your church but I've been watching services online. And maybe you're one of those right now, you've never actually attended uh, in person, one of our, our services, but, but you've been watching. And maybe there's something in that you craves something more, something deeper, something lasting. You're looking for some, some hope. Well, where in the world does that longing for hope come from? Well, God offers a hope that is so powerful, it can transform a person like you and me, and it can rewrite our, our eternity. It's not the kind of hope that we would normally think of when we use the word hope, right? In everyday conversation, we use that word in various ways that really aren't on the same track with what the Bible is referring to when it talks about hope. See, one of the ways that we use hope is really when we mean wishful thinking, it's, it's when we, we try to hope things in or out of existence. We blow out candles on a birthday cake and we say, I hope I have another year of happiness. By the way, if you wish that last year, I'm not sure what happened. But, but we blow out those candles and we wish, and, and we may say the word hope, but we're really wishing. We may say things like, I hope I, I won't gain any weight during the holidays. It's really kind of a wish. Or I know as myself and others have said, I hope the 49ers can actually finish the season with somebody not injured, though I think maybe that's beyond wishful thinking. Maybe that's fantasy thinking. But wishful thinking is that kind of hopeful sense that somehow, some way, things are gonna go the way we want them, even though we have absolutely no power over the situation. We, we can't make it happen. We're just wishing. Sometimes when we engage in that kind of thinking, we can do it to such a degree that we actually convince ourselves of something even when it isn't true. It's the power of that. Another kind of, kind of twist on hope is really blind optimism, right? I think it's great to be an optimistic person. I tend to be an optimistic person, but sometimes optimism can shift into fantasy rather than simply optimism it's when we won't address the truth of things when we refuse to see when we won't look at some of the own you know the the, the wounds and as celebrate recovery puts it we won't even look at our hurts habits and hang ups and again our celebrate recovery is actually what opens our eyes sometimes to let us see those very things and see the truth of that and see that really the only hope we have is in Jesus. But when we choose to look away rather than see the pain and the ugliness and the injustice in the world, we're, we're really in kind of that blind optimism place. For most people, hoping is something that they do, but the Bible talks about hope in a different way. The Bible talks about hope as something that we can actually have. It's something that we can actually live. You see the difference? It's not something we, we do or wish for. It's something we can actually take hold of, possess it, own it. You can, you can grab onto it. That's the power of hope. And then the Bible even tells us that we can be hope, not, not because of who we are, but because of what Christ has done in us. And for someone who follows after Jesus Christ, here is the definition of hope. Hope is the confident expectation that God is willing and able to fulfill the promises that he's made to you. Let me say that again. You can find it on your note sheet. Hope is the confident expectation that God is willing and he is able to fulfill the promises that he's made to you. And the Bible refers to that as a living hope because it's always directly linked to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Imagine living in the promises, taking hold of the promises that God has made. I'm going to give you a couple things. I want you to write this down. The first is this. The hope of Jesus offers me new beginnings. New beginnings. A chance to start all over again. In the book of Lamentations, uh, which is a small little book in the Old Testament. And it, it, it's a challenging book because it's based on a lament. You know what a lament is? A lament is a, is a cry, it's, it's, it's mourning, it's hurting and all this. And in the middle of this hurt and pain, here, here's what it says in Lamentations 3. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The unfailing love of the Lord never ends. By his mercies, we have been kept from complete destruction. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each day. Isn't that powerful? And it comes in a, in a, in a book where, again, there's just a lot of pain and seeing what's going on in life and in the world. And as a yet, yet, I, I dare to remember, I dare to hope remembering this, that God's unfailing love never ends. What the writer is saying here is that we can live in hope because even though we may fail, God, God never will. He will never let us down. Even though we, we may fail our spouse, which we will often do, God's compassion is for us. Even though we may fail our friends in some way, even though there may be all these things that go along, his forgiveness for those wrongs that we've done in our past is a renewable resource. It's never exhausted. It's fresh and available every single day. If you were to look at our New Life logo, you can find it on one of those sheets or, or on your app or whatever it is, and you'll see this, this kind of circle that has some different beginnings. Do you know that our logo is based on that premise? that God is in the process every day of, of making us new. In fact, our, our image that we use is kind of a redesign and a takeoff on the old recycling images that you used to see with the arrows kind of bringing things back again, because that's the business that God is in, of, of taking the old and making us new. I want you to think back when you were a kid. Did you ever have some game that had do-overs right and you can call that out when i when i was uh, a kid we used to go down to this local neighborhood church and we would play baseball and football and any other game we could we could come up with and yes we broke some windows accidentally and we rode our bikes like crazy kids all over that that church campus but there were times when we were playing let's say baseball and the ball went into the street or through a window, unfortunately. And it was a do-over, right? And we would yell that, whoa, do-over, do-over, it's a do-over, making sure everyone knew that we had to replay that one more time. We had to kind of rewind the clock and get a second chance. Well, let me tell you that this is the perfect season to ask God for a do-over. See, when Christ came on that Christmas morning, our world was in desperate need of a do-over. God had created a perfect world. It was a masterful creation, right? Astonishing beauty, creativity, the whole, the whole thing. He placed Adam and Eve in a garden of this creation to cultivate it. And they opened the door to sin and to pain, to suffering and to death. And then Jesus came. And he's called the, the second Adam, a, a chance for things to begin again, the one to usher in a new kingdom and a new creation. And the angels celebrated, right? We read that in Luke chapter two. The shepherds bowed down. The magi brought gifts of worship. Why? Because of the hope of Jesus. But here's the insidious part in that. Guilt lies to us and tells us, you are disqualified from a do-over. Because of your past, because of what you've done, because of the choices that you've made, because of the words that you've spoken, the pain that you've caused, you will never get a clean slate. Guilt squeezes hope from our lives. But Jesus died to overcome our guilt. So if you're weighed down by guilt... Why would you want to lug that guilt even one more day when Jesus is saying, my mercy is fresh, it's new, every single day? First John 1.9 says this, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from every wrong. So, so really the question is, Will you do that? Will I do that? Confess my sin. Confess that I can't fix this, that I can't do this, but that He is faithful and just. And you know what made any of that possible? You know why He can do that? Because He paid the price for us. And what better time than right now as we enter a time of new beginnings? To say, Jesus, this Christmas, you are going to be my foundation. You are going to be the one from whom I draw security and hope. And he makes that all possible because of what he did on the cross. I want you right now to get out uh, the bread and the cup. And we're going to pause just for a moment. As we think about new beginnings, as we think about this Christmas season, as we think about the Messiah, the savior being born in that manger. And I love the fact that we can celebrate that at Christmas time. I love the fact that we can remember and there's so much tradition around it. And there's so many, you know, little things from trees and lights to gifts that really emulate Uh, the wise men, the magi who came and brought their gifts. We think about the the shepherds and we think about stars. We think about joy to the world. All of these things come out of these traditions and images and metaphors of Christmas. It's beautiful. But I will tell you this, that if it wasn't for Easter, and yeah, I said that right, Easter, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it's just one more baby born in the Middle East 2000 years ago. We wouldn't, even, we wouldn't even know it. But Jesus didn't come to be a baby. He came to save us and restore us. He came to give us hope. And so that's why as we start this Christmas season, we we pause for a moment and we, We remember his body that was broken and his blood that was shed because this is what makes Christmas so powerful. It's what makes Christmas something that we remember and hold on to, that he gave all of it for us. So on the night that Jesus was betrayed, before he went to the cross, he gathered with his followers in that room. You You've probably seen that picture, you know, the, the last supper, and I'm sure it didn't look anywhere near that fancy. These were, just, these were just regular people. These were working class people, and they were coming to celebrate the Passover. And Jesus turned the table on them, and he took bread, and he broke it. And he said, this is my body. that's broken for you. Let's take and eat that. Then Jesus took the cup and he blessed it and said, this is the blood of a new covenant. And a covenant is a a promise, an agreement. And he established a new one that wasn't based on the law, but was based on his sacrifice. And he said, this blood is shed for the forgiveness of sin. Let's drink together. Would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you so much that you came to walk among us, to do miracles, to teach, to give us a firsthand look face-to-face of what God is like. And you didn't come to stay a baby in a manger. And God, forgive us sometimes for for keeping you there in that manger, just making you out to be baby Jesus when you're the Prince of Peace. You're the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. You're the one who has come and given your body and blood to rescue us and save us and make us whole. So God, we thank you for this moment to pause and to remember. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you write this down for number two? This message only has two points. And so we're gonna do this last one as we finish and write this down. The hope of Jesus offers me everlasting life. Everlasting life. You want a prescription for hopelessness, for despair? I read this statistic. One out of every six Americans believe there is nothing after this life. Now, this is it. You get whatever years you have, maybe a life cut short, maybe 70, 80, maybe even 90 years, and that's it. End of existence, that's all it is. And you think, well, what's, what's the purpose of life? What are, what are we even here for? Are we just biological oddities? Is, is that it? No wonder people feel hopeless. And because of that kind of thinking, Sometimes people will automatically go to wishful thinking and say, "Well, maybe I'll be reincarnated, maybe there is some some move that that takes place in in some kind of afterlife or or they engage in blind optimism and say just i, I won't think about it I'll just kind of put my head in the sand. Those defense mechanisms can make us feel okay sometimes for a little while, but there's one really, really ugly statistic in this world that none of us likes facing, and it's this. Death plays a perfect game. What do you mean by that? One out of every one will die, 100%. No one escapes this. And how we face death says a whole lot about how we face life when you know you have a future in eternity with God, then you have a sense of confidence and boldness and courage in this world. It turns, it turns us from hopeless to hopeful. Have you ever come up behind, I don't know, maybe your spouse or one of your kids or a friend and like not to scare them or anything, but you just kind of come up close and without turning around, they don't even look over their shoulder. They know it's you. And maybe it's your cologne or your perfume. I'm being super generous there. It could be other odors that you have. Maybe it's the way that you breathe, right? We we know how our spouse breathes. It's one of those things that you probably can't even put into words. That you don't even have to see their face. You just know that it's them. Maybe you felt God's presence in your life a little bit like that. Maybe you've experienced his comfort when you've faced hurts or tough times or his mercy when you've faced tragedy. Maybe you've sensed him leading you and, and guiding you when, when you've faced decisions or situations that he's been, he's been real to you that way, but you can't see his face. It's not completely clear, but you, you want to see Jesus. Here's the hope we have. Someday, I have the confident expectation, the hope, that one of the promises will be that I'll be with God and I'll see Jesus face to face. There was a popular Christian song a few years ago. They even turned it into a movie and yes, it got overplayed. But the song was, I can only imagine. And there was something powerful about the lyrics where he was talking about seeing Jesus. Will I dance? Will I be in awe? Will I stand? Will I fall to my knees? Will I sing hallelujah? And in this line, will I be able to say anything? Just trying to imagine what it would be like to see Jesus. I don't think there will be anything like that moment when we finally see him. So here's my question as we draw close to Christmas. Is it going to be wishful thinking or living in hope for you? uncertainty of the future or knowing knowing that you're going to see Jesus someday that's the power of hope so so what do you do Titus 3 says he saved us not because of the good things we did but because of his mercy he washed away our sins gave us a new life through the holy spirit he generously poured out the spirit upon us because of what Jesus Christ our savior did He declared us not guilty. Why? Because of his great kindness. And now we know, and here's this line, that we will inherit eternal life. As we come to a close, I want to give you a chance to enter into this season living in hope because of what Christ has done and what he will do in you. We've called this series Hope of the World this year because it's not about just celebrating Christmas, but it's about turning to the founder of Christmas, the author of hope, Jesus himself. So would you bow your heads with me? I'm going to pray in just a moment, and I'm actually going to pray a prayer of invitation to let Christ Be our Lord and our leader, our savior and our rescuer. Before I do that, I want to just ask you if you want to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and savior. Not just a figment of your imagination, not just wishful thinking, but truly knowing the one who forgives and saves. And he offers you and I eternal life. Not because we're good enough, but because he was. Because he was perfect and he went to a cross, just like we celebrated in communion. So wherever you are right now, in your bedroom, your living room, watching this on your phone, wherever it might be, I'm gonna ask you just to sincerely pray this prayer with me. Let it come from your own heart and soul. Pray this, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. And thank you for coming to this world and ultimately dying on the cross to forgive my sin. I pray that you would wash me clean. I pray, Lord, that you would set me free. I choose to know and to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you for this time that we've had today to gather together, to open your word, to start this Christmas season by remembering the greatest gift that you've ever given us, Jesus Christ. Thank you that we can be set free. Thank you that we can be made new. And we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, maybe for the very first time, I would love just to send you a note. We'd love to know that you kind of took that step of faith because it's not just this religious hoop that you jumped through. It, it's the core of, of what God has called us to entering into relationship with him. So I want to encourage you to text the word decision. You're going to see this on the screen. Text the word decision to 30500. You'll get an immediate text back and a link that you can go to. We want to give you some resources. And as you begin this Christmas season, you would take those steps to know and experience the hope of the world. Make sure that through this week, you'll Stay up with those Advent readings. We'd love to have you prepare yourself, your heart, your family, your friendships for this Christmas season. Again, it's more than presents, it's more than just tinsel and lights, but it's this connection and it's this life that we have in Jesus Christ. So, as we close, let me, let me just say this to you. By the tender mercy of our God, love has been born to us, light given where once there was darkness and hope where there was only death. May you enter this Christmas season knowing that God will guide you into peace and hope. Thanks for joining us this weekend. Have a great weekend.